This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Terrace here with another Jets episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. So with me is always my buddy, my co-host, my pal, the man with a plan, the guy who's ready for the New York Jets to get redemption this week on the Denver Broncos. John, are you alive? I know I know, we did a Knicks pod the other day, but you were dead. We legit had to roll you in <laughs> on this pod because you could not handle the ass-whooping. Oh. Neither could I. I was sad, but you were just down and out like texting you was just like no response i thought you were gone i thought someone talking you yo alex i mean you're you're sending me (laughs) sam darnold stats i'm not even out of the parking lot yet man come on (laughs) (laughs) give me a break out here uh but yeah uh, i'm 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 sounding less and less like brooke lopez um I'm, i'm ready for broncos week we have a special guest on uh from the the bedside network who is also a denver broncos fan so that that'll be fun to uh, to hear some outside perspective, but dude, uh, I'm I'm really good. I, I I think the jet I think the Jets are definitely going to cover uh, this eleven and a half. I'll start with that. So I'm feeling good. I, you know you know what they say, man. Good teams win. Great teams cover. So okay. I'm I'm already optimistic. Go. I'm already optimistic going into week three. How you doing, man? I'm all right, man. And you know what? I'm okay. Uh, just chilling. Long day, ready to talk about some Jets. Get ready for this weekend. So let's bring on our guests. All right, we got Peter Dewey of uh, BetSide, a part of the fan side and network. Okay, he's uh, he used to work at NBC Sports Group as a digital editor, and now he's with BetSide, part of the fan side and network. He is a Broncos fan. He is a diehard Knicks fan and a diehard Yankees fan. So why not have him on for this pod to really help get us ready for this Jets-Broncos matchup? And hey, whenever we get a chance to talk Knicks on the Jets pod and some Yankees, uh, why not? And then we got some sports gambling too, because, you know, we got winning picks quickly, part of this uh, part of this whole group that we're trying to create. So let's get some sports betting in this action. So Peter, how are you doing today, my man? What's going on? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to get after it. All right. So, Peter, I'm going to start off with this because your Broncos are shocking. I think the NFL world right now being two and zero. Let's let's start off here. Do you think this is going to last? <laughs> <laughs> That's a loaded question. Um, the, 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 the thing is, man, like I don't think it's crazy that they're two and zero. You look at their first two matchups, like the Giants and the Jags. If they were going to be any semblance of a close to five hundred team this year, they had to win both those games. They did. They took care of business. Like the Jags aren't very good. The Giants aren't very good. So I don't think it's anything crazy that they're two and all right now. I think it's a little more crazy that like there's a legit chance that, you know, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, could the Broncos are like, you see all the tweets. Like, can the Broncos make the playoffs? What two and O team like is, mm-hmm. and that I'm like, all right, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. There's, there's a lot of things this team has to, has to um, get in control if they want to be that good, but it's an impressive start. I'm excited by the start. It was, it was better than I expected. Lucky for you, man. You got the Jets coming up in week three. I mean, can you write it up any better? Giants, Jags, and Jets. I mean, the Broncos have had a, a, a nice little schedule coming up here. How do you feel about uh, Teddy Two Gloves uh, at the helm? Teddy Bridgewater has been everything that the Broncos could have asked him to be. Like when you made that decision, when Vic Fangio decided that he was going to start Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke, the decision he was making was that 
Teddy Bridgewater wasn't going to lose them any games. Because last year, Drew Locke lost them a bunch of games by turning the ball over, not being able to complete enough passes where it's just simple throws and NFL quarterbacks got to make. And by deciding to go with Teddy Bridgewater, Vic Fangio was basically deciding that he's going to try and save his job instead of banking on another year of can Drew Locke turn in to be a starter. And so far, he's been right. Teddy Bridgewater has taken care of the ball. He's been efficient. He's put them in positions to win. He's thrown for a lot of yards, threw for 328 yards in week two. Like, it's not like he's coming and dinking and dunking the ball all over the place. Like, they actually have a legitimate offense. And so, if you're the Broncos, if you started Teddy Bridgewater, I actually wrote a story about this uh, on uh, fansided.com backslash betsided. But uh, it was the, if you start Teddy Bridgewater, you have to have the playoffs in mind as your goal because you're punting a year of Drew Locke's rookie contract to play Teddy Bridgewater on a one-year deal. So you are saying we're good enough, the rest of our roster, to make the playoffs if we just have a competent quarterback. And so far, that's what they look like. But like I said, the competition hasn't been great either. Yeah, I mean, you kind of had to do that, right? I believe that Von Miller was asking, uh, you know, some questions about his roster and about the direction of the Broncos. And so I feel like that kind of had maybe something to do with keeping that all pro on the defense. You got you got to... Everybody sees Drew Locke. I mean, we see him only only on Sundays, but Von Miller is seeing him every day. I mean, it's great that he knows the lyrics of some Young Jeezy songs, but yes, I, I'm about to say that too. I'm just not sure. Young, young. <laughs> not sure that that was uh, enough. But dude, um, I, getting ready for this Jets game, I had to. What I like to do is watch. It's easy for now, right? Because it's only week. It's only week three, so it's easy for me to go and watch. Uh, the previous Denver games, they look so good on defense. And even without Ronald Darby and with Chubb obviously not being 100%, now he's out. They've been looking really good on defense. And I know it's Trevor Lawrence. I know it's Danny Jones. <laughs> but I think it's a little bit more than that. I think the, I think certain, I mean, I think that's a bullseye. What more can you ask for than drafting a quarterback and him turning out to actually be good right off the bat in the first round? I mean, it, it's really dime a dozen. It, it doesn't come as uh, often as people think. So that's really good. And then you got your safeties. Your safeties are unbelievable. We already knew about Simmons, but it, it might be impossible to throw against the Denver Broncos secondary in a couple, in a couple of weeks when Darby comes up. So do you have any thoughts overall on the defense? And I hate to be the bear of bad news, but I'll throw in the jewel injury. Like what, what do you, what, how do you think that? affects the Broncos going forward. Yeah, the the Josie Jewell injury and the Bradley Chubb injuries are really tough. Chubb was, I mean, he barely played the first two weeks, but obviously him being on IR with that six to eight week timetable is not what the Broncos want. They just can't seem to get him and Von Miller on the field at the same time, which is a travesty. But Mm -hmm. if he can come back for the second half of the year, obviously that's that's a win for them. Jewell is going to be a big loss. He's arguably their best middle linebacker, arguably their best pass coverage linebacker. And so when you play a team like the Kansas City Chiefs where you have to deal with Travis Kelsey over the middle, like you now it comes to do are you lining up Kareem Jackson or Justin Simmons up against him one on one, or are you gonna just sit in a zone and let Patrick Mahomes pick you apart? So that that's injury. I'm intrigued to see how they kind of piece that position together against the Jets and then obviously going forward the rest of the year. Um Kelsey, Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, same really, thing, really, basically. Same, same, same names, right? <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> the the secondary has been great, man. I mean, them bringing Simmons back, which was they had to do that this offseason. And then obviously, like you said, certain like first round corners are very hit or miss. You look at the last draft, like 
Um, CJ Henderson, kind of questionable in Jacksonville. Uh, the kid out of Auburn, I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm not going <laughs> to butcher it, that the Dolphins took. He was a healthy scratch in week two. Yeah. He's a first-round pick. So yeah. the fact that Sertain comes in and, you know, he looks like he can play a legit role right away. And obviously the Kyle Fuller signing was really important for them to have mm-hmm. two guys on the outside so they can really play Bryce Callahan in the slot all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they have the defense. If you look at the Broncos roster on paper, it's, it's a very good roster. They just didn't have a quarterback. So now if you can throw some decent quarterback play in there, like you have a team that can win games. I'm not going to say they're a Super Bowl contender, but they can win games. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that's why I'm nervous about week three. Just to, you know, just to be a little bit honest about it, it's it's the secondary that worries me. But I believe that we'll be able to Zach Wilson and the offense will be able to learn from at least last game and not try to be heroes. They're gonna see that Denver is has has the corners, you know, locked down. Jackson is more of a punch you in the face safety than he is a cover guy. I'm more worried about him killing someone than I am really about him uh, getting an interception. That's really where Simmons comes in. So I I think that Zach Wilson is going to be weary of those guys. And we're going to have to eat in the middle, sort of like Denver does, right? I mean, that's really where Denver's offensive game plan is. And it feels like that's where the Jets offense is going to be at. And with Jewel Hurt and our strength being our running game, not only because our running backs probably our best positions, but also our offensive line been showing up. I think that's going to be the only way that we're going to be able to attack this Broncos defense. And I hate to say it, George Fant at left tackle hasn't been as bad as people have been projecting with Beckton out. Yeah, I agree with like I to add on to that too. Like I agree that we're going to go have to attack for the Jets. We'll have to attack through the running game, and just we don't know where we're going to get out of our quarterback yet. Zach Wilson, we saw we had an okay week one against the Carolina Panthers. Week two, I, you know, you can place a little bit of blame on him for holding the ball for a little too long. You can place the blame on the offensive line for not really good being good uh, pass blockers. But it, the consistency just from our O line and the quarterback right now is so up in the air that we don't know where we're going to get. So it has to be through the running game. And it's going to be Michael Carter and Ty Johnson definitely leading the way and splitting the backfield. So that's where I'm going. Like, and if anything was a blueprint to what, the Broncos have to do against the Jets, it's to make sure Zach Wilson can't get to Corey Davis. Cause once you blanket him, you know, it's rough pickings for, for Zach Wilson trying to move the ball down the field, especially if he wants to be aggressive. And if that's what before wants Zach Wilson to do, really just push the ball down the field, which, you know, he has the passing, but there's the one, there's just one where I see we, and John's going to, and I have to, have to get this conversation where it's like throwing into triple coverage to, to Corey Davis. Okay. Let's start. At, yeah, let's start the four <laughs> picks right now. Let's start it. Let's start the four. Let's start the, let's start the four interception conversation because what I saw at MetLife and then what I was able to, you know, understand by today is just completely different, right? Like all the emotions, right? I'm living and dying by every single play on Sunday and then everyone's yelling at me like you <laughs> down to like my parents, like everybody contacted me <laughs> after that game. Your parents. Uh, <laughs> what are, you like, are you okay? We know you're at that game. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Everything's all right. Um, so the first interception was okay. <laughs> it was the second play of the game. Uh, we saw the TikTok video where the pass blocking was awful, but it was, I mean, it was on Tyler Croft and public enemy number one, Greg Van Roten. Get him off my team. This right guard has been awful for two years. But anyway, they 
kind of they they missed their assignment and Zach Wilson was about to get killed on his first pass play, threw it into some coverage, probably not the greatest play. The second interception, I know that you have I know that me and you have a contention here. So so that, that this is where we're gonna stop for a second. Elijah Moore was open on the underneath. I understand. Yes. Corey Davis had the ball in his hand, like literally in his hand. So it's tough for me to say that Zach will just like we'll start this. It's, it's hard for me to say that Zach Wilson is terrible, is this rookie, is all you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, off the first two plays that were interceptions. So, Alex, tell me why you hated the second interception to Corey that fell through Corey Davis's hand and why that was Zach Wilson's fault. And I don't, I don't, here, here's where I'm thinking it's that second play of the game, your QB just threw an interception, right? You're trying to, the game is still within reach. Why not get him warmed up instead of making him go aggressive? Why not have him just take the easy underneath route? You saw what the Patriots did. They had Mac Mac Jones is the king of dink and dunks today. He's averaging three yards per pass attempt. That's wild. It's a wild stat to even have out there. Uh, so why not? <laughs> can't stand his name. Freaking McCorkle with a name like that, you just can't stand a dude like that. Uh, <laughs> But to, to, to just see what the Patriots did, right? Bill Belichick, you're hiding, it's, it's hiding your quarterback for a second just to get him into rhythm and then be aggressive. And not saying that Zach Wilson didn't throw a frozen rope to Corey Davis. That thing was on a zip line straight to Corey Davis. It went straight to his hands. No doubt, but you're still throwing it into triple coverage. I would, I would much prefer that if game is like, we're talking third, fourth quarter, we got to move the ball downfield. Quarterbacks already had enough, uh, like attempts under his belt. He's ready to go. Then make that push again. If, regardless, right? Regardless of like what was going on, if you need to, because you're in the game. First, second attempt, you're trying to make him aggressive again. Just go for the easy, easy pass. Get some, get some chunk yards. Get your quarterback in rhythm. Like help his confidence first. Get, get, let him have a feel for the game instead of just saying, "Hey, kid, look for Corey Davis. We need to get our guy going." It's like we know what the Patriots are going to do. If if Corey Davis was two yards shy of 100 receiving yards, Bill Belichick's going to say, hey, I'm not going to let this guy go get 100 receiving yards. So you know there's going to be double, triple coverage on him. That's my gripe with it. But I don't want to leave Peter out of this conversation. Peter, do you know the do you know the interception that we're talking about? Um, yeah. I don't know if you, okay. What, and before we get – what are your thoughts on that pass? I, I just Can you break this tie break? Can you break this tie break for us? So, so my thing is like – I personally, I don't think it was a bad pass by Zach Wilson. Like it sure. again, it went like court. It's a catch. It was a catchable ball, but I, I completely understand your point. Like that just second play of the game. This is more so like the learning experience, which like, I know you guys don't want to hear this, but that game might've been a good thing for Zach Wilson. Just purely 100%. because like you go, you throw those four interceptions. You have that film. Now you saw the mistakes you made. Like for him going forward now, he's got to think, okay, I got picked off on my first pass of the game. Like I need to make sure that I don't put my defense right back on the field in a bad situation again on this next drive. And maybe you say, okay, I'm only going to get four or five yards if I throw the ball to Elijah Moore, but that's the smarter play. Give my defense some rest and like, let's just keep the drive going. Like, I think that's just the learning part of him playing quarterback. Like that's probably a pass in college. He makes that pass and they get it through every single time. Cause at BYU, you're playing nobody and your team's better. And so, yeah, you could throw a jump ball or, a, you know, a ball into double, triple coverage and your guy's going to make the play. But like, this is the NFL. You can't, you can't get away with that stuff. So I just think for him, it's just going to be like a learning experience, especially without backing out. Like the offensive line is just not, not the same. So. They're going to need to to let him develop, and like I I agree with you, like you got to get him in rhythm. But at the same time, he's he's going out there trying to make the play that he thinks is the best play, and 
hopefully this week, you know, LaFleur sat down with them. It's like, look, this is what we got to do if we're going to be successful going forward. My goodness, this is the diplomatic answer of all diplomatic answers. <laughs> you, you said yes to John and yes to me in the most eloquent form possible. I appreciate it, Peter. So that it's there's no tiebreaker. Uh, just like the just like the the New York Jets versus the Denver Broncos, there's one tie in there. I guess it's gonna be the one tie. Um, and we all we know what the we know what the other two interceptions are. They're just poorly thrown. There's I don't think there's really like you know I, like what what do you want to go? Well, into? I mean, those are my real issues with Zach Wilson. Like th- th- that's where if I'm the Broncos and I, and I I'm, where I'm chopping at the bit because it's it's a one possession game still by the by the third interception <laughs> you know and it's still the mm-hmm. first half but it was lazy and it was a lazy throw and that, and he was wide open and I saw that from the stands and I saw it on film again and that was in actual triple coverage and he was but he was I mean he was he was open he just he just shorted it and the um, the last play. Right, it feels like it might have been a hundred to zero when he got that fourth interception. Am I right? About a hundred. It was thirteen to three in the third quarter. You don't throw a jump ball that you don't care about as if you're losing by a hundred when it's thirteen three. That's where I saw there's a rookie head coach, there's a rookie offensive coordinator, and there's a rookie quarterback. Like that, that like that play. When I looked up at the scoreboard, I was like, oh, we must be down by seven touchdowns. If we get two touchdowns, we're winning the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so. If I'm the Broncos, that's where I'm eating, you know, at, at the bit. Like, Von, Von Miller must be like, oh, really? Like, if I hit him once, if I hit him twice, he's going to be like, oh, the game's over. I need to play a hero ball. And that's my favorite thing about Coach Salah. He came out right away in his post game and he said, we have a rookie quarterback who's trying to get home runs on every play. He's trying to win the game on every play. And like you said, he should be using more of his play action because we opened it up with the running backs, like you said. And honestly, let's just take, let's just take notice of the Broncos. Like, let's watch Denver tape, not only to, you know, try to beat them. Let's just do what they do on offense, man. They, they run the ball, right, with Melvin Gordon and Williams. Mm-hmm. And they open it up with their tight ends. And honestly, the, both the, the Patrick touchdowns in the red zone, those were, first of all, the same exact play where he, 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 uh, he runs back on the motion and then he cuts back. And he, the linebackers completely lose him. Both touchdowns are exactly the same. And second of all, they got Sutton, who's an absolute beast. So uh, l- let me let me throw it up to you. What are you most excited about on the offense? And second, I kind of want to get your opinion on Javon on Javante Williams and Michael Carter, who are teammates, and uh, they'll be going up against each other. Do you like how he's been running? Uh, Behind Melvin Gordon? Yeah, I, I, I've loved what I've seen from Javante Williams. I, I really thought like it was going to be a dead split, and it has been to start this year. Um, I mean, you don't take a running back in the second round and like not play him. Um, so it he's been great, and the, the, you you hit the nail on the head. Like the Broncos have opened up their offense because they established the run, and like they didn't run the ball other than that Melvin Gordon like seventy yard run. They didn't run the ball great against the Giants in Week One. But they established the run where they have you on your toes and then you can play action. And like I saw a crazy stat today. Greg Rosenthal tweet out Teddy Bridgewater's attempted more 20 yard passes down the field than anybody in the NFL this year, which is a wild thing to think about. They've done such a good job of we're going to run the ball that they've gotten one on one matchups down the field. Like he's not completing all of them, but. When you have the, the, the discrepancy in the offense of we run the ball, we play play action, we can take a deep shot. Like that's what opens up the entire game. And I, to, to go to back to the Jets, like you're right in, in week two, like they ran the ball well. Michael Carter looked good. He looked really good. I thought 
And it's just frustrating that they weren't able to get Wilson in a rhythm enough to like take advantage of that. And like you said, like the game wasn't over when he was throwing some of those, those later picks, like it was a winnable game. Three against the Patriots at home in the third quarter. Like if I, if you just, if I said that to you, like take that and see what happens. But I would take that 10 out of 10 times. I don't care who the quarterback is. So it was just so frustrating that he couldn't recognize that. And neither could the coaches, obviously. They couldn't calm him down. You know, uh, there was an interview today uh, with Morgan Moses, our new right tackle, a veteran, and he joked around how he said he averages four quarterbacks a season <laughs> throughout his career, right, coming from Washington, which I kind of agree with. And he's saying the most important thing is that we keep the rookie's head straight because it's going to be on a swivel. He's going to get hit. He's got, bad things are going to happen to him. Connor Hughes of The Athletic just reported Zach Wilson has a groin injury in week one, and that might have you know hindered him in week two. So here, here we go, right? It, it already begins with, 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 the, with the Zach Wilson um, fears. I do think our offensive line has been doing a lot better than people have been thinking. On but the left side. I, like, <laughs> on, on the left side and also in the running game, yeah, the pass protection on the right side is tough. Our tight end, our running back, uh, blocking is tough, but uh, I'm thinking like if, if I'm a Denver fan, am I am I excited for Zach Wilson coming to town on my home opener? It, 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 and is it worth eleven and a half? <laughs> I, uh, it's that's a lot, man. I I know they're two and zero. I know they have a good defense. I know Teddy Bridgewater. I I, I just found out that he's throwing the most twenty yards, you know, throws in, in the league. They're scary, but are they are they going to go three and zero and beat the? Jets by two possessions. The, the two possessions, beating them by two possessions is a lot. Like Teddy Bridgewater's 38 and 14 as a starter against the spread in his career, but like that's a lofty number. And I think the perfect way to look at this is and why I think it, it's way too high at 11 and a half. Like Zach Wilson threw three interceptions. Like you said, it was a 13 to three game. Like the Jets defense was good enough to keep them in the game. Like they didn't just <laughs> yeah. like collapse after that. Like maybe last year it would have been a completely different story, but the Jets, like their roster is not the same. It's not the same team. Like I know a lot of people are probably freaking out because they lost the first two games and it's like, they're a better football team this year. Like Zach Wilson had a bad game, but the Jets all around are a better football team. Like Carolina has looked really good to start this year. Just lost them by five. They held them to 19 points. Like Carolina might go eight and zero, bro. I'm not they they really might. And so like, I, like, I think the Broncos, like there's definitely a little bias. I think they win the game, especially the home. It's a home opener, but 11 and a half mm-hmm. points. Like there's no way I, the Broncos just aren't the type of offense where they like try to score the ball that much. Like they, I mean, they went up 20 to seven on the Jags and then basically it was just like ball control. Let's get out of here. We won. And like they gave up the, they, they got a field goal and then they gave up the, the kick return touchdowns. Like, Oh, okay. We got to try again. Let's try and pass the ball. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they, they just like, that's not Vic Fangio style. Like they're not going to run it up. They're just not that kind of team. It's like 11 and a half. Like you're basically asking the defense to pitch, you know, another 10 points or less. Like I, I just don't think the Jets will, will do that again. Like there's, there's, I just don't see it. I, I, and I agree with that. Like the defense has just been really, really good. And we've lost our four like offseason signings. And yet we're still holding teams just like within reach of this game. Like, like, sure, we can look at the score between, uh, the, against the Patriots and it looks like it was like a complete ass whooping, right? But in reality, like the only reason that we lost is because our quarterback gave the ball over four times and the defense can only like 
bend and not break well, for so long. They can only long. get so many fumbles that the yeah. refs aren't going to call. How, how many can we get? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to die that first play of the game. That, <laughs> you look at that, you're just like, that is a fumble. We had and the face mask like, on Zach Wilson that didn't get called. That was tough. Then we missed the field goal coming down. I mean, it, it wasn't a good game all around, but it, it's all fixable, dude. It, these are all fixable mistakes, but I, I think Peter's actually right, and I think this because it is a Broncos home opener – and I got, and since we want to get into the Broncos matchup, I did a little research, see, uh, see what the records were among, amongst the two teams. So the Broncos and the Jets have played each other 20 times since 1960 when the Jets were the New York Titans. Out of that time, I since, since, <laughs> <laughs> it's that old. Since, <laughs> the times that the Jets have played, uh, Denver in mile high which is 18 times. The Jets have only won eight times. So it's not looking in our favor. I mean, most teams have a difficult time because of the altitude when going out to mile high, too, to begin with. But Morgan Moses is wearing an altitude mask, man. Come on. We're good. Yeah. Oh, man. That's just, <laughs> you say that to me, and I'm, my heart's just getting ready to hop out of my mouth, just That's drag it. it across the street. 11 Thanks. and a half on the money line. You're all over. Oh, it. man. <laughs> I'm not taking 11 and a half, but, hey, <laughs> my heart's in my throat still. <laughs> But and the last time we beat the Broncos was in 2010 when the Jets went to the AFC Championship 24 to 20. Uh, we did beat them in 2018 when we were home, but we have not beaten the Broncos in Mile High since 2010. So it's not not looking good. And uh, the overall record between the two teams is 21-16-1 Broncos favor. I don't know how the there was a tie back in. Uh, October 26, uh, 1963. <laughs> I guess they didn't want to play the nice. game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Probably was ran that? out of daylight. <laughs> that was the first, that was actually the, the inauguration, the, the first season as the New York Jets, too. Not even the, that was just the year right after the Titans. So in true form, true New York Jets. Form. <laughs> That's honestly a better record than I thought would be overall, especially with Elway years and, you know, just Broncos, chips in general. Yeah. That's not bad. We're just five games off. I think we're about, I mean, I'm not going to call a Jets win. That'd be insane, but I'm not going to say I'm not taking it at plus 500 at this point. Literally. I think the, I don't think it's, I don't think it's 11 points, but I think it's going to be a close game again. Um, I think the question I have is just because as Peter pointed out, Teddy Bridgewater has just been really good. I mean, he threw for over 300 yards last game. Right. And he had over, how many, how many uh, attempts did he have? I think he had close to 30 attempts too. Right. I mean, he's, he's, He's over 75% completion percentage on the year right now. Yeah. He's yeah. like 74 and a half. It's insane. Yeah, and he, had, he went 26 for 34 for 328 yards and two TDs last week. So that's – Teddy Bridgewater was playing really well. It's shocking that John Elway has figured out that you don't need a 6'4 taller uh, quarterback to be playing the position. Really, really phenomenal. Good job, Elway. Um, <laughs> but I think the question – I think the question is, is like, how does the how does the Jets defense match up against the offense? Now I know the Broncos lost Jerry Judy, and I was actually looking forward to watching Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton being a dynamic duo this season. Um, so, Peter, I'm going to throw it to you. How do you feel about the 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 Broncos offense going against the Jets defense after what you've seen uh, the past two weeks? Yeah, I think the Jets are the the toughest defensive test the Broncos have faced so far. Like I thought coming into this year after how the Giants finished last year that their defense was, you know, going to be solid, but obviously 
Broncos lit him up in week one and then Taylor Heineke lit him up in week two. So <laughs> not, not feeling very good about that take um, anymore. So I, I, I genuinely think like the Jets are going to be the toughest defensive test. The Broncos are going to have to figure out what it's going to be to, to work against, against the, the Jags. It was, they got Sutton going every single time. He had nine catches for 159 yards. They, they couldn't guard him. But in week one, he had one catch for 14 yards. So they're going to have to figure out who the go-to guy is, whether it ends up being Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, who had a down game in week two. They're going to have to figure out what it is that they're going to be able to scheme open against the Jets. And and if it ends up being the running game, it could be the running game. I, I'm, I'm very intrigued for this test. Like I said, I really think the Jets defense played very well the first two weeks. And like it got lost on everybody, especially in week two because of the Wilson interceptions. But like, if if he does if they don't turn the ball over like those are very winnable games and we could be talking about like wow the jets are actually pretty good this year and especially with the dolphins losing to it like you we'd be like okay maybe the afc east isn't as like cut and dry as we thought it was going to be but um yeah the broncos are just gonna have to figure out what works i think they did the same thing against the jags where they just kind of they the first couple drives they felt it out and then they figured out there's nobody who can guard Sutton, and they just went to him as much as they could so I think that it'll be a similar process against the Jets. I just don't, I don't know right now what that weakness is going to be because I think their defense has been really solid. I think, and John could testify to this. I think the weakness is going to be our, our, our run, uh, our run defense because we had sweet feet. Not this year. I mean, no, they haven't been running really. Yo, they've been catching out of the backfield, but our run defense has been pretty good. And and that's why I'm, that's why I'm intrigued by this matchup because Mm -hmm. the only way Denver, does well is if they open up with the run game. If we stop the run game, which we did, even C-Mac in rushing, right? Everyone catching out of the backfield is what kills us, and that's been my whole entire life. Nothing here nor there. I mean, uh, we have no... Our coverage outside is tough. However, I'm going to throw up to C.J. Mosley, one of the guys that we were bagging on a little bit and kind of worried about his pass protection especially. He's been amazing. CJ Mosley has been absolutely amazing. And we have Sherwood coming back. I think an unsung hero was Hamza. He's doing okay. I'm really shocked that we're doing so well in the secondary. I'm really shocked that we're doing so well against the tight ends. And normally that's exa- normally I'd be like Font is going to absolutely murder us and Sutton is probably going to catch 120 yards and a touchdown. And that's how we're going to lose. If the run is not established and we keep you guys in third and long with Teddy two gloves, I think the Jets defense is, like you said, a lot better than people think for one reason or one reason only. Our head coach is a defensive head coach. Everybody is freaking out about Zach Wilson. I get it. He's the number two pick. We also have the same Darnold trade. He's doing amazing. We also have a LaFleur. I mean, and we're also in New York, and we're all, we can get a win. There's so many fun stories. Rex Ryan, he's on TV every day, so he's going to talk about us. Mike Green, I mean, there's Jets fans everywhere. So it, it makes sense that everyone is bagging on Zach Wilson and what's going on there. But no one is talking about how Salah is a defensive head coach. And, our, and we're doing well on defense with not much, and our corners have been playing so well. So Jerry Judy being out, like Alex said, I'm at, I'm I feel bad, right? Like I want I like Judy in college too. I want to see Jerry Judy do well, but I'm so glad he's not here today because I think we can guard Sutton. I think Hall can actually guard him. And I think Goodry has been fantastic. Eccles has also been good on the outside. I'm really not worried about Sutton, which is which is if we could shut him down and we could hold down the tight ends like we've been doing, I'm shocked we were able to hold John Smith and Hunter Henry to like normal normal yards. 
If we can do that, that's why I'm so optimistic about this game. Denver at home, they should win. The altitude, Teddy Two Gloves completion percentage, everything should be the Jets suck, offensive line. Everything should be pointing towards a Denver massacre, right? Everybody's like, wow, we told you, Denver Broncos, everyone was down on them. They're going to be good. This is exactly where the Jets get a win. And probably, and, and probably not win for, for a long time after that. But this is the exact type of win that the Jets get when no one wants them to, when they're not supposed to, when everyone is super down on them. So I'm definitely taking the 11 and a half. I'm, I'm not going to be so bold. That's to say, to take the money line, but I personally am. Do you have any other best bets in this game? Or, and how, do you think it's going to be like a, a low-scoring game, a high-scoring game? Like, how, do you, how do you expect uh, Mile High to behave uh, in the opener? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you in taking the Jets 11.5. I just think you look at other games that have had double-digit spreads um, this year. The Bucks and uh, Cowboys were 9.5, and, and the... Um, 49ers and Lions were nine and a half to in week one. Neither of those teams covered. Uh, the, the Browns were 13 and a half against the Texans in week two. They didn't cover. Like the Packers were able to cover because they scored 21 unanswered <laughs> on Monday Night Football. But like, that's an underdog that's a, year in general, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Week one, uh, underdogs were 12 and four against the spread and nine and seven straight up. Like it's been like, it's the way the NFL is. There's a ton of parody. Like everybody's competitive. I'm like, I think the Broncos are a better football team right now than the Jets are, but I don't think they're two touchdowns better. Like that's, that's a little much. And I just think the way this game sets up, it's two teams that are pride themselves with defensive head coaches. They play really well defensively. And I don't think either one of these offenses is capable of like, we're going to put a 30 spot on you and just blow you out of the water. So this is the type of game where I feel like Jets 11 and a half is got to be the play just because. The Broncos, that's just not their their play style. They don't blow people out. And then on top of that, I, I think the under might be the play in this game. The under's been is two and zero in the Jets' first two games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I don't think that the Broncos that they hit the over against the Giants, but or yeah, against the Giants. But I mean, I don't I don't think this is like one of those games where you're gonna see like oh 28-28 late in the game. It's it's gonna be grinded out football. And like you said, like the Jets have played well against the run, so the Broncos are gonna have to figure out something else and. We we could be in for a close game. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to bank on it, but I'll take I would take the Jets for us. Do you, do you think this correlation there, uh, just from a betting standpoint, between maybe taking the Jets plus an eleven and a half and the under, or if you think that it's going to be the opposite, where you got to take the Broncos my, uh, minus eleven and a half, you got to take the over. Like you got to parlay both of those if that's how you think this game is going. A little bit. I think okay. it depends on how confident you are in the Jets' offense. Like if you were going to take Broncos eleven and a half, and then you'd be asking them to either, like I said, play a perfect defensive game where they give up 10 or less points or like mm-hmm. you're banking on them scoring 30. That's that's kind of the, the in-between there. Mm-hmm. So most likely that if I was going to go that route, that would be my play. I just mm-hmm. think this game, regardless of the score, is just 11 and a half is a lot of points. Man. I know, like, dude. It's nuts. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of points. absolutely nuts, man. Like if the, if the Lions and the 49ers are playing a game and they are within eight, like, are we sure the Broncos deserve this much? It, it just feels like I saw this line come out earlier this week um, when we were doing like all of our betting previews. And I was like, this is a freaking trap. I was like, there's no way. As good as the Broncos look, there's no way I'm taking them to cover the, the 11. I, I can't do it. Do you, do you think this is – so you, you said this is a trap. Do you think the Broncos are looking ahead to the Baltimore Ravens and overlooking the Jets right now? I mean, 
as a team, right? It is possible that you see the Jets, they're 0-2. They're like, yeah, I think we want to establish ourselves. And we see the Ravens. Do you think it's possible they're looking one game a little too early and maybe sweeping on the Jets? Because that's kind of what this kind of sniffing like. Even though I think the Broncos should win and most likely will win, this is a recipe for the Jets to just say, we're here and this is like a good this is a good time to have Zach Wilson have a bounce back game because he has that personality where he's just hyper competitive, has a chip on his shoulder, has to show the world that, you know, he's not gonna get punked twice in a row. So he's gotta come out and get ready to go. That's that's just type of his personality and the defense as we've already pointed out, has been pretty good this year. So I feel like this is like a perfect trap game in the mix. (laughs) Not only that, Alex, I'll I'll even add to that whole Zach Wilson soliloquy. This game is in Denver, and although it's mile high, the guy went to BYU, and the number one – it's only seven hours away, which sounds, you know, for us, oh, my goodness, seven hours away. But that's the the closest team. Middle America is different, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And I think think, – during a little bit of research, I think 50% of Utah are actually Denver Broncos fans, which means that this is the stadium they go to. I'm curious if there's going to be some BYU Zach Wilson fans. We saw, you know, we had Jacob Hatch from, from the BYU, locked on BYU and ESPN Utah, and he was, he's, he's all of a sudden a Jets fan just because of Zach Wilson. You know what I mean? And although he roots for the Denver Broncos. So do you, do you think, that there's any chance of, you know, all the things that Alex was saying with this could, the, the fact that this could be a trap game plus the fact that Zach Wilson, it could be like a quasi home game, like j- just for him personally. Like, I, I, I know Mile High is going to be orange as hell. Mm-hmm. I, I know they're going to be loud. I know the altitude is, is all with them, but do you think there's a Zach Wilson factor on top of a trap game? I, I think it's going to be helpful for Zach Wilson, you know, especially just being closer to you know, home where he might have some more supporters in the, the stands. But the, the, I think it's more of a trap game in terms of like, I feel like this spread got inflated because the Broncos looked really good the first two weeks. And then the Jets looked really bad in week two because of the Wilson picks. And so that's why I'm more like, I, I just feel like it's a little high. Like, I don't think the Jets are like this bottom barrel team where like they're going to lose by double digits every game. And like to go to the Ravens point, like, if this was a different Broncos team, if this was, you know, a team that was a playoff team the past couple of years, I would say maybe they are looking ahead. Like we got a big game coming up, but like Broncos have been the bottom barrel of the NFL for the past few years, man. Like they, this is like them going two and zero right now is like, hallelujah. Like we were five and 11 last year. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I think Vic Fangio and I, I don't think the, just the way this team is kind of wired. Like, I don't think he can afford to let them look ahead to this game. I'm like, this is like, they have to win this game. If the Broncos want any chance of making the playoffs, they have to take care of business against teams that they're going to be either favored against or like have a, like, it's like a toss up type of game. Cause like, you're going to have two against the chiefs, two against the chargers, two against the, um, the Raiders. You got to play the Browns. You got to play the Ravens. Like they have a lot of tough games on their schedule where like, you're not just going to walk to wins. Like you're not going to pick up a win at home against the Raiders just because like the Raiders look good this year. So mm-hmm. I think they can't afford to look ahead, but I completely get where you're coming from. Like it, it feels like the type of game where like the Broncos can be like, oh, we'll be three and all and we'll play the Ravens. But I, I would hope that Vic Fangio's got his guys. Like we have to have this game if we want any chance this year. For sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense too, right? Like you, you're talking about a team that was five and 11 last season, Vic Fangio trying to keep their heads on straight, make sure that they're not looking too far ahead taking each week, going week by week, game by game. 
But, you know, these are players, man. Players sometimes tune out a coach, sometimes do something. So we'll see. But I, you're, you're the, the analysis I can get behind. So, I mean, I guess the, to, to wrap up this Jets Broncos uh, discussion, where, where do you see this game going? I'll start with you, Peter. What do you, what do you think the score is going to be? Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Um, I could see like a 21 17 type of game. I just, I don't think there's going to be a ton of points. I like both defenses. Um, so yeah, I'll say 21 17. De- give me Denver, but Jets cover the spread. Okay. John, what about yourself? I see that you want to choose the Jets. It's just like so, I just see it right there in your face. <laughs> it's tough, man. It's really tough. Um, I really, I think there's going to be a, a, a hell of a lot of field goals in this game. Give me like twenty two seventeen Jets. All right, like so a, just a disgusting play. game. Disgusting game. Give me the Jets first win. I mean, Andrew Claudio came on here. He told me Denver's gonna win the first game. He told me Miami's gonna stink. He told me the Knicks are gonna lose to the Hawks. Let me let me let me just go. Let me just go. Jets at Denver. Make. I, I need it, dude. I need that after Sunday. I need the. I also I need it for Survivor. I I think. Like thirty-seven percent of leagues right now have Denver as their survivor. So just, wow. just just give me the Jets win this week. Everything will change. The narrative around the Jets will change, and we have a pretty nice schedule coming up. So and just give me this disgusting win at mile high for the love of God. Okay, I'm gonna stick with my seventeen and fourteen. I'm gonna go. So hard, man. I predicted the Patriots. I got. I feel like I gotta go opposite, man. I feel like I know I chose the Jets to beat the Broncos, but I gotta go opposite. I gotta see if it, if the reverse jinx for me works. So I'm actually, and I actually do believe the Broncos are gonna win this one. So 17-14, clean score, uh, ugly game of a lot of defense. Yeah, I think it's gonna be zero and three. Sadly, zero and three coming home to the Titans. Yikes! I know it's not. It's not. <laughs> Yikes, but, dude! I know. It just can't really, have it happen. That's why. I'm, that's why I'm so nervous about it. I mean. There is at least going to be one zero and three team in the Falcons or the Giants. I just I don't want to be the second one. <laughs> I mean, if it's the Giants and the Jets at zero and six, the back page is going to have a field day. <laughs> oh, the New York, the New York Post, Daily News, everyone's going to be six is going to be tough. Licking their chops, bro, just ready to be like, when yeah. will New York sports be good again? And it's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? When are they going to be good again? And this is going to be the good transition because we do have a good New York team, guys, that we all root for the orange and blue. The faithful, the New York Knickerbockers, Peter. Like I said at the beginning, and I forgot to mention that you're the uh, digital editor for uh, for uh, Betside. So my apologies on that. But you are a New York Knicks fan. Um, yes. So how did you feel, man? How did you feel about uh, the New York Knicks this past season? Were you shocked as everyone else was this for this past season? Oh, and, were I, you all, and were you also wanting Julius Randle off this team as fast as possible? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was definitely as shocked as everybody. I mean, I don't think anybody could have ever predicted last year. And if you say you predicted last year, like... You're a liar. Yeah, yeah. There's just no way. Like, I was just hoping, let's play some young guys. Let's see RJ develop. And, like, let's see what we got from here. Like, I was a big proponent coming into the year. Is like the team's got to kind of run through RJ. Randall's got to kind of be, you know, take a little bit of a step back and not try and just go crazy and do everything. And obviously he proved that theory wrong. He was absolutely unbelievable. Um, but they, they, they just got so many great contributions from role guys. And then on top of that, just, I know people say Tibbs burns teams out, but like 
he changed everything, the culture about that team. They played defense. They played hard. They were never out of a game. They be, they were losing. The, the game that I always look back at, there, there's two games I look back at. The one is the Jazz game at the beginning of the year when Austin Rivers went absolutely bonkers, oh, and they came oh, back and won that man. game. And that game was like the Fisdale Knicks, the Hornacek Knicks, the Fisher Knicks, whatever Knicks you want to go for, <laughs> the post-Mellow Knicks, basically. That's a 35-point loss. They're not even in that game. And the fact that they hung around and then won that game on the road, like I was like, wow, that that might have been, you know, their their best win of the season. And then the Wizards game in the second half of the season when they were down like 20 in the second half yep. and they came back and they won. Mm. And I remember I have a, a, a little Knicks blog I keep up like for myself. And I just remember <laughs> after I was like, that that's the best Knicks win I've probably seen in 10 years. I was like, they had no business winning that game. They looked out of it and yep. they just they played defense. And they sat there and they won the game. Like the Hawks lost, like sucked, but like I was just happy to be there, man. Like it was like, wow, we like got to this point with this team that nobody thought was going to be here. Like I just had to appreciate it at that point. Like it sucked to lose to the Hawks, but like what more could you have asked for for a Knicks fan? It was like a fun team to get behind and like root for. Like there's been teams that they've had. Like I mean, I love the Mellow. But there were certain mellow years where it was just kind of like, it's even hard to root for these guys. Like they, it's just, yeah, they weren't uh, fun true. to watch. Like this team was just so fun to watch. They left everything out there on the floor every night. They lost and they would lose games and you like couldn't get mad that they didn't give any effort. And that's like the thing as a Knicks fan, like my entire life, like they've been bad. So like it's, <laughs> it was nice to see that like for a change. It was like, wow, like even when we lose, I don't feel like, well, this is just the Knicks. Like it was like, no, like we actually, we battled. It was fun. That's for sure. And definitely that they gave their full effort every single night, even when it was a blowout against the Nuggets, the Bucks, whoever. You always felt that they went out there, gave it 120 percent. And you're like, all right, they were close for a little bit, but we were just outmatched because Denver's just an offensive juggernaut. The Milwaukee Bucks, we're talking about the NBA champs, you know, even thinking about games we were in against the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. You just had to be ecstatic because those teams were supposed to be just offensive juggernauts that were just supposed to steamroll us and they didn't. And we came out there and we battled on a nightly basis. I think the game for me that really turned it around was when home MSG against the Indiana Pacers. I think yes. it was the last game of the series. Julius Randle manned up, took Monte Sabona oh, down yeah. and just like, he was like, yo, you think you're an NBA all-star? No, 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 no. I'm coming out here. I'm just about to show you what a real NBA all-star was. That's my favorite game of all time because, one, it was just we finally got – I think that was the moment we finally got to 500 or over. And I was like, wow, we haven't done this in a really long time. Mm-hmm. We battled mm-hmm. – like this team battled to get here. They didn't let this, this – that game could have gotten crazy out of hand, but they kept it within reach. And then on to the cherry on top is that Knicks fans during a quarantine season were outside just going wild. And you're like, wow, I, the Knicks are like, the Knicks are truly back by doing this. To have fans just rejuvenate. I love that, that game. Love that game. It's uh, a great one. Was a shout out to Richie uh, Mora, who uh, oversees Knicks media. And he said, what was your favorite moment? I had to find the Julius Randle, like in transition slam at home against the Pacers because that game, man. I mean, my goodness, uh, that game had me so hyped. That um, game was sick, dude. The the the, the fan. I was at the Pacers game. The fans at that game after they got five hundred outside. It's like we won the championship, and everyone was making fun of us. When we, I was at the Knicks Hawks game during the regular season, where we were going when we got the fourth seed, and 
I'm going to say that was my favorite game of the season. And not only because we got the fourth seed and I was, I was literally yelling fourth seed for maybe an hour after that game, just in the middle of the street, just yelling fourth seed to everyone. And people would reply back to me fourth seed. It it was really amazing. And I did have a voice after, but that game was, if you want to ask me what happened in the, in the Knicks 2020, 21 season, you just, that's the game because we had moments that game where we shined. I looked like we were going to win by 40 points. There was moments in that game where we look, we're going to lose by 40 points. And then an injury here, an injury there. Trey Young comes in, kills us, and then gets hurt. And all of a sudden, we sneak out with the win. That is exactly how, like you guys said in the examples you pulled out, that, that's all the Knicks wins were just like that. The Washington win, that's how that was. The Pacers win, that's how that was. And so that's why I'm a little bit tiny bit, slightly bit worried about the Knicks not getting the fourth seed again, right? Everyone already has us as a six, seven seed because of these types of wins. But on the other hand, we have Tibbs. If he changed the culture, if he changed his team, then it's not a turnover lucky type deal. It's a, this team plays defense. We win close games, deal with it. And so you want to beat us? You're going to have to hit a buzzer beater like Trey Young. You want to beat us? You're going to have to really hope that we're kind of injured at center, at point guard. Because th- those are the, when Alec Burks wasn't out, what was our record last year? We were, we were getting creamed without him. I, I know that's so silly, but when, when our bench was out, when IQ was out, we just couldn't hang. So maybe we are just a real team, right? Maybe we are just a real team that plays defense, that plays cohesive, that needs each other. And we're going to be able to sneak out not only those types of wins, but wins that we just, that we just should win. Like, that's what being a Knicks fan to me is, is lose, is maybe beating, you know, the, the, the Lakers or something on the road and then getting absolutely crushed by Sacramento. Like, that is. Oh, the man. I thought, you about to say, I thought you were about to say OKC. I was about to have a, more of a panic attack. <laughs> I mean, or, you know, or OKC, just any of these teams. Like, we show up versus the good teams, like the Jazz, and we lose versus the bad teams. And so that's what I'm really hoping changes this year. Just that we could, we could, we could finally put aside. I mean, it's cliche to say that my favorite game was game two, right? Of, of the playoff, because that's everyone's obvious favorite game, but it opened the door. We're done, dude. It, it, there's no need, no more reason to celebrate a one playoff win. There's no more reason to celebrate the playoffs. There's no more reason to celebrate a fourth seed. We're only going to celebrate when we win a round. And so I, I'm just kind of happy where we are. For sure. For sure. No, I, and I think that's a really good way to, to summarize it. I think. For for Peter, just to to get your takes on um, the Knicks, like moving like moving forward, where do you see this team for this upcoming season? Do you see them getting back to the fourth? Do you see them being uh, a playing team? Like, what are your thoughts on this team? Yeah, it's going to be tough for them to get back to the four. I think Miami's better. Um, I Sixers, San Simmons, they're still good. Like, even if he's not there, they're they're going to be fine. And whatever they trade him for, honestly, might be an upgrade for a playoff series, maybe not regular season wise, but for a playoff series, Nets are going to be the Nets. Bucks are going to be the Bucks. So it's going to be a battle to get into the top four. Like I'm not sold on Miami with Kyle Lowry, but like you can't deny they got better. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Boston got a little bit better by bringing in Schroeder. I, I don't really love the Horford, Robert Williams front court. I'm, I'm not the biggest hey, fan. I, <laughs> How dare, that was my last question. How dare you bring that up? <laughs> I, um, 
I like I love I love um Robert Williams as a player. I just don't think like him and Al Horford like on the court at the same time can work. And so like are you really gonna play Robert Williams twenty minutes a game because you have to get Al Horford minutes? Like I don't know. But <laughs> I like I think the Knicks their goal has to be this year, you gotta avoid the playing tournament. They can easily For be sure. a top sixteen. Like Fournier was a good addition. I know some people hate that contract, but like they needed somebody who can create their own offense on the wing. Like I love Reggie Bullock. Great defender can shoot the three. Reggie Bullock is a black hole out there. If like (laughs) he's not catching and shooting a three, he doesn't play offense. So you have to have somebody else who can create a shot other than RJ and Randall in the starting lineup. And then obviously no matter how many games Kemba plays Kemba or more IQ minutes is an upgrade over Alfred Payton. Like, and I, I'm I'm an upgrade over Alfred Payton. But that's a difference. Yeah, I mean, everybody I mean, like, the negative energy. The negative energy. Like he's better at basketball than a lot of players uh, and even point guards. But his negative energy was just so bad. It actually was driving me nuts. They they were yeah. terrible with him on the floor last year. Like he just it just didn't. He's not the right fit for that team. Like if you're gonna play Mitch and Noel at center. Who like, and I don't want them to be stretch fives. But you're gonna have a guy who's not who can't stretch the floor at the five. And then you're going to have a guy in Reggie Bullock who can't put the ball on the floor. You can't have a point guard who can't make a jump shot. It's just, it's too it's so many, frustrating. too many cans in the, in the offense. And to think that got a four seed. That's what's yeah. really impressive. That that's what got a four seed. Um, but I do agree that it's going to be difficult. I think this team is somewhere between five and six. That's where they're going to end yeah. up. I think four is tough. I think six is going to be five or six is really where we're going to have to start aiming for. And they're going to have to take advantage of every single game um, and beat every opponent that they can beat because it's going to be, a, it's going to be a dog fight. It's going to be a dog fight to be out of the play in. And, you know, Pacers are a scary team too. They got a lot of depth Toronto. I know they didn't do well this past season, but they're looking to make a bounce back wizards. Didn't when he's kind of a low key, like, okay. Signing. I think they're going to make noise. I don't think, I think they're going to be a playing team, but I think they could be a little, Annoying when you have to play them. Charlotte, they have to take a step forward. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, there's a lot of teams in the East. This is not the, this is not the least anymore. This is the oh. East now. It's, it is, it is actually competitive and it's, it's, it's interesting. The Knicks, everyone's like getting back into it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this season, but John brought it up already. He, he stole uh, the thunder because it was reported today that, uh, the Boston Celtics took, uh, the, the bench squad leader in, uh, Theo Pinson. Also, uh, a little coaching on the side too, helping the players. He took he took the guy who like was really added to the culture. You guys, uh, what do you guys think of that? I th- do you think this is just like Boston trying to get some intel, or do you think Brad <laughs> Stevens just like doesn't know what he's doing? And by the way, just to add in, I I am not sold on what Boston's doing. Like Dennis Schroeder does not impress me. Yeah. He's not a pass first point guard. Marcus Smart is not a pass. First. There's legitimately very like the playmaking out that team is questionable. Like. Highly questionable. I, you're going to be asking. Jason Tatum took a step forward in playmaking. So did Jalen Brown, but those two alone, it's not going to work. Jalen Brown's going to be looking. I mean, Jason Tatum's going to be looking for his own shot. Jalen Brown, eh, I like him. I really like him. I would love. I would love for him to come to. I would love for I want to come to the next. But I don't. I don't see. Uh, I don't see those two really being a team. I actually think the Celtics should be a playing team, and people are putting too much in Boston stock personally. So what do you guys think about Theo Pinto, though? That's the real question. Fuck Boston. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sucks to see Theo go. Like, he was just so fun, like, on the bench. Obviously, he meant a lot for the, that team's chemistry last year. Like, I think a lot of people, like, chemistry, like, I think a lot of people sometimes overrate it. And 
people also underrate it. If you're a, a talented team and you have really good team chemistry, like that's the type of thing that puts your team over the top. I think the Knicks last year, they like knew we are good enough to be a playoff team and they all just loved playing with each other. And you look like Nerlens came back, Rose came back, Burks came back. Like these guys wanted to come back. They wanted to run it back. And so it sucks that they couldn't open a roster spot for Theo, but like at the same time, like you couldn't have him on a two way because he already, he, he already ran out the two ways. So like, I would have been mad at the Knicks if they wasted the 15th roster spot on Theo Pinson just because you know he's not getting on the floor. And with the injuries they had last year, like you needed to bring Taj back as a third center and like because Mitch is such a wild card. But it, I mean, to see him in a Boston uniform is going to be that's really, really, really yeah. tough. That's, <laughs> that's going to be thing. really tough. That's the thing. And I live out here in Boston. Like I'm originally from New York. Like I'm from White Plains, uh, lived in New York for like 25 some odd years. Um, and I could tell you when I went to see the Knicks play Boston the second to last time here, um, during that whole, the, during their whole matchup, um, that was a, just a terrible game for Alfred Payton, by the way. I had never seen a guy so checked out. That was like a terrible game for him. But then I watched the bench. I looked at Boston's bench and it was very depressing. Like Knicks, everyone was like out of the seats watching what's going on, cheering. Boston, you could hear a pin drop on that side. It was, so that's actually what I'm really upset about. Like I know, like, is it is it critical that we brought Theo Pinson back? No. Is he like it's a catastrophic loss? No. But I'm more upset. I'm sick to my stomach to the fact that Boston's like, oh, oh, so can you give us a little intel on what Tibbs likes to do? Oh, by the way, you're gonna help hype up this bench. That's really what I'm upset about. He could have gone anywhere else outside of the uh, the Atlantic, and I've been okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he That's loves really he it. loves the Atlantic Division. I don't think it's more about Intel. I think I think you guys are kind of right. It, it's more about him elevating a not really that talented Boston Celtics team. And you see what Theo can do with a Nets team that didn't really have superstar talent. And they were winning games that they shouldn't have won. The Knicks last year with games where there wasn't any talent and they were winning games that they shouldn't have won. And not only can the fans notice it, but the players are talking about Theo Pinson. Right, like if you're like if you're like a normal fan, like who? Like what are you talking about? Watching every game, like what are you talking yeah, about? If, if you're a casual, you're not knowing who Theo Pinson is. No, exactly. <laughs> and everyone's talking about it, like the players, the coaches, and stuff. So, on on a squad like Boston, where there has to be some internal issues with Ainge leaving, Brad Stevens now moving from the coach to the GM. Does he deserve it? Does he not? They they need some cohesion. So somebody like Theo Pinson. That's a good look for them, in my opinion. He makes more of a difference on that kind of team rather than like a Dallas Mavericks. And I, I kind of want to ask you, 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 you pulled up Reggie Bullock. What do you think about the Bizarro Mavs with, with Bullock and Burke and now Frank and KP? Like, Nick's West. <laughs> what, do, you, do you have a hatred for them? Do you, want to, do you actually want to see them succeed because they're in the West and doesn't matter? Like, do you have any thoughts about them? Um, I could, like, Luca's a great player, so like it's fun to watch him. But, like I really like the way everything went down with Porzingis. Just like I mean, I just think it, it's frustrating for Knicks fans because we embrace Porzingis like post draft booing. We embrace that man as like he was the next coming, and then mm-hmm. he sat there and he spurned us mainly because he was mad at the front office. But he basically turned his back on Knicks fans and was just like, "I do not care." Like I said all these things about how I always <laughs> wanted to play for the Knicks, but I really didn't. And like, I think that's something like to me as a Knicks fan, like there's tradition in being at the garden. It's the Mecca. Like 
It's why I love Melo so much. Like he took the challenge to come play there. Christoph Porzingis wanted no part of it. Mm-hmm. And so for him to leave and like, I love Tim Hardaway Jr. too. I wouldn't have paid him as much money as the Knicks did. So like, mm-hmm. I, it's nice to see him. Succeed. Oh yeah. I forgot about, I forgot about THJ. Yeah. I, I, it's nice to see him succeed. And like, I love to see Frank succeed, but like Porzingis, I, I would love if the Mavericks were like a fine team and Porzingis had another horrible year and everybody's <laughs> like the Knicks won the trade. It's like, yeah, we won the trade. Like, it's very <laughs> okay. obvious now, but it's, I think it's, it's, it's a, I think it's already set in stone, but yeah, that, I think, I think it is obvious. Bias. I like, I was thinking, I always thought like when it happened, cause I remember when it would happen. I remember the first comment. I was like, please tell me we didn't trade for, please tell me Wes Matthews was in the deal. And then he wasn't the deal. And I was pretty pissed. I was like, retrade it. I was like, why, why'd we do this? And people mm-hmm. said, we got DSA out of it. I'm like, eh, like Frank and DSA on the same team. Like, eh, not really hyped about that. But I think, I think it's clear now that we, we won the trade based on KP's injury history and, and stuff like that. So, you know, but. Let's move on to another thing because we're talking about winning now, and there's only one way that we really like to win around here, and that's <laughs> making bets. All right, so let's well, get we some, can win uh, on Sundays, man. We we have, yeah. we have two wins in, in two years right now with the Jets. <laughs> so let's talk about some good. Let's talk about uh, best bets. Uh, I got some survivor questions for you. So, John, do you want to start with best bets, and then I got some survivor questions, and uh, then we can wrap this thing up. Yeah, yeah, uh, we have. Some pretty interesting week one and week two matchups. It, it felt kind of easy going into it. The underdogs have been killing it. But week three is kind of tough. It just not only spreads, but even just straight up. A lot, a, lot, a lot of tough games out here. We know you have the, the bet-sided network rolling. We, we, we see it in the background. We know you've been killing on your best bets in general. <laughs> Do you have – you don't have to give us those, but you can if you want. But you can tease us with other ones. Do you have best bets for the week? Do you have any best bet advice for the fans and for uh, amateurs like Alex to, to get the ball rolling? Yeah, I got you guys my best bets. Uh, I went last week, NFL best bet, I had the Rams. Full disclosure, they did not cover, so that was tough. But uh, this week, my best NFL bet on Sunday um, is Seattle minus two against Minnesota. Russell Wilson is 34-9 and nine in his career after a loss really really good um and minnesota has not impressed me their defense stinks they were really bad last year they looked even worse against the cardinals in week two and seattle has thrown the ball really well like they've looked good on offense they just choked that game away against the titans it feels like like a perfect like get get right spot for seattle like they know they have to keep this the the pace in the nfc west so that was my um my best bet against the spread and then my best one again um money line bet is I'm taking Atlanta. I think they're plus 130 at win bet against the wow. Giants. Wow. And this one, yeah, this one's a little out here, but Daniel Jones is four and 19 against the rest of the NFL, not named the Washington football team. He is not okay. very good. Okay. He is not very good against <laughs> anybody else. Um, and honestly, like, I don't know how much you guys watched the, the, the Falcons Bucks game, but like they hung around in that game until Matt Ryan did them in with two pick sixes. Like, Obviously, you can't take that out of the game like it happened. But like they were in the game, and I, the Giants aren't close to the team that the Bucks are. Um, it's going to be tougher on the road. But like Atlanta is, they have a decent offense if Matt Ryan doesn't doesn't completely implode. So I could see them upsetting the Giants, especially because the Giants' defense looked horrible in Week Two. My God, you want to talk about heart in your throat? So I'm in a, I'm doing a survivor pool this year, and uh, 
you get one mulligan. I chose, I chose Patriots against, uh, the Dolphins week one. And obviously they killed me. So then you get a mulligan, you can buy back in. I chose the Bucks against the Falcons. And when I was watching that game, I was like, are you serious? I'm about to lose a hundred dollars <laughs> in two weeks. Like, is this happening? This is really happening. <laughs> Thankfully they won. So, whew. But I like the best bets. And, uh, speaking about Seattle against the Vikings, like that is one I'm looking at for a survivor pool. It's that. Seattle versus the Vikings. I'm looking at Bills taking the Bills against the football team. And then I'm also looking at the uh, the Browns versus the Bears. What, what, what are you feeling? I have all those three. Jeez. Those, Browns those and Bears. Three. Yo, run away from that game as fast as you can. That's Brown- my, that, I'm going to throw that out there. Browns and Bears scares me a little bit just <laughs> because, like, if Justin Fields is as good as I hope he's going to be, that could be a real interesting game. Like, I don't, I don't know how that one ends up. If I, mm-hmm. out of those three, I would probably take the Bills. Um, this week in our survivor pool at Betside, I took Carolina on Thursday, which mm-hmm. might come back to bite me, but I, I took the Broncos in week two against the Jags and I was a little worried about that one. It worked out. So, um, I just don't think the Texans with a rookie quarterback on a short week, like their team is already not that good. And I, I just don't think they win. But if I was between those three, I would take Buffalo. I think they have, they, they looked a lot better in week two. And Washington is the opponent I'm probably least scared about of the, the other three. All right. That's, all right. All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate the, the that. Seattle, the, the, the Seattle game in week two actually drove me insane. I cannot believe they fumbled that game. I mean, you're, you're just your take on the fact that Seattle's going to bounce back. I didn't know Wilson's bounce back record. I just know, I just know the eye test. Seattle cannot lose a game after that. And with the magician at the helm, I like Seattle. I wasn't even thinking about them because Minnesota is the exact type of team that ruins survivor leagues. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they'll, they'll figure out a game where all of a sudden Dalvin Cook has, you know, pulls three touchdowns or Thielen goes nuts. And all of a sudden it's the Kirk Cousins week and they just ruin, <laughs> they just ruin your life. So I, I do like Seattle. Like I'm sick they didn't cover last week. I, I honestly am. I know they lost too, but like I'm sick they didn't cover it, and they, they were favorites. Yeah, they should have easily covered that game. They just <laughs> they absolutely won, dude. Blew it. It was nuts. And, that, but the reason why I like them to cover this week is because it's at two. Like if you can get under a field goal, that like that's the part, the sweet spot, especially for a team as good as Seattle. Like I know the Vikings only lost by one in in week two, but like. Most of the time, you're going to get yourself in a situation where there's a chance it's going to be like a field goal type of game. So the fact that you can get Seattle at two, I I, I love that. I saw the the odds come out for this week. And I saw that. I was like, yep, jumping on it. Russell Wilson bounce back game. Got got to take it. Yeah, so that opened that plus one, and now it's bet to minus one and a half, huh? Seattle yeah. minus one and a half uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. I, I I have a really big issue with your Falcons bet. Okay. That's that's fine. It's it's a a little bit of a little Dude, the, out there. The left. Uh, if if you're if you want to watch some tape, you want to put on the Falcons, and you want to watch their left guard go at it. <laughs> it's it's tough to watch, man. Uh, this is. I mean, they had Andrew starting, which was the Jets' left guard last year, so that's why I was particularly interested. And then he broke his hand before Week One, and so now they have a rookie right guard. Or tackle that they moved over to a left guard. The Mayfield Maxwell. kid, right? Ma- yeah, Jim Mayfield. No, yeah, Mayfield, Mayfield, right? Okay, tough, tough look. Uh, I, I, I actually see the Giants at MetLife bouncing back because, as we said, two zero and two teams. 
I, I gotta go with the Giants, especially that they're getting three here. It just that feels right. I feel like they could win by three, but I understand why you would take that money line because they're both winless. But the Giants defense, in my opinion, is gonna step up. And this is the type of game that the Giants turn around and you ask yourself, Oh, is Danny Jones good? Oh, are the Giants are right. Oh, is the defense gonna be pulled together. We'll maybe run some laps after some penalties. My my favorite survivor pick is the Bills. Like you said, I'm not worried about Washington, especially because the Bills lost their home opener. So they're coming back home and they got Heineke. I think think Buffalo, after that 35-0 route, they're not going to overlook Washington and they're going to be at home. Bills Mafia. I I think this is where they finally come through. I think they're seven and a half, which is pretty interesting, right? That means Vegas... Slash win bet wants you to take Washington football team, right? I, I'm I'm taking Buffalo there just on the survivor. Yeah. Also on the secondary, I'm gonna go with you on your Jaguars, uh, on your on your Jaguars philosophy. I'm taking the Cardinals if you haven't taken them yet. So the Monday Survivor leagues, that's what I'm doing. Last week I took Green Bay in both of my Survivor leagues. Okay. I, I, I just had to. I just I was like, listen, if, if Green Bay loses 0 and 2, I'll just go with the 0 and 2, and I'll just I'll just I'll just ride it out. I'll take the two L's this week. I'm changing it up. I'm taking the Cardinals. Against the Jaguars, I think Urban Meyer might be the worst coach in the NFL this year. He's he, and he's honestly he wishes Adam Gates was still there so we can make fun of him. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's clearly the worst coach in the NFL. So I'm taking the Cardinals and I'm taking the Bills at home. Those are my two. Imagine, so can you imagine if Adam Gates was still coaching the Dolphins and he had Urban Meyer in Jacksonville? That would be the stinkiest <laughs> state for football, man. Really, like the stinkiest state. My goodness. <laughs> Like you'd have to, you, like you. Everyone probably transferred to being a Bucks fan. I mean, if they haven't already, like think about it. You got Tom Brady on there. Huh. Yeah, huh. I'm, but, I, I think my I think my best bet though. I'm I'm gonna go with two best bets. One of them is yucky. This is my hold your nose pick of the week. Is the Green Bay Packers plus three and a half? At I like that. Forty nine. I like that a lot. So the Forty ers are really good when they stay on the road. And they had those teams, which which happened last week, but they're not so good when they come back home. Um, after that stint, they have a losing record. I, I don't have the exact numbers with me, but I know they're below five hundred after they stay two weeks on the road and they come back home. I'll be able to get that number uh, for you soon. So I'm taking the, the three and a half. Also, I think it's interesting that Green Bay opened up at plus four and a half and they moved down to plus three and a half, even though. Like what, what? What really changed, right? I mean, does anyone have a different opinion of Green Bay after Week Two versus the Lions? It was no. It was either it was do or die for them. Either you lose and you're the worst team ever, or you win and we'll see what happens next week. So Packers and of course the Jets plus eleven. Teddy Bridgewater, he can win by ten, dude. He can win twenty to ten. Like, <laughs> it, it, like, what's the issue? <laughs> you know what I mean? Take the eleven points and just just do it. Just believe me on that one. Minus five and a half to minus eleven. I don't understand. Like, wh- what can possibly make this line move almost six points? Uh, no, thank you. Give me the Jets. I, I do a, like your Seattle trap, pick. Though. I'm telling you, I do it's like your trap. Seattle pick. Your Seattle pick is interesting, but the Vikings zero two. Does that bother you? And as a better, does that like does that factor into you know your philosophy? Um, a little bit, but like for myself, like there's there's two things. A part of the reason why I took the Falcons too, like it's eye tested watching the teams like 
who's really like like you can get the line and be like, oh, this this should cover. But like if you watch a team, you're just like like I watched Atlanta. I watched that whole Atlanta Bucks game. Like I thought they looked really good until Matt Ryan threw the first pick six. <laughs> I was like, they're actually like not like oh they're gonna win this game, but like they look a lot better than I thought they were gonna look. Um, and so like I thought Seattle offensively has been fantastic the first two weeks. And Minnesota defensively has just been really, really bad. And like Seattle got the bad break with the taunting penalty. And Derek unbelievable, Henry, bro. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was tough. No fun and, league is back. No yeah, fun league is oh. back in full, full swing, man. <laughs> and like Derrick Henry ran all over them. Like I, I don't think that, like there's Derrick Henry and then there's everybody else. Like Dalvin Cook is not <laughs> doing that. Like there's the Christian McCaffrey okay. side of running backs where you catch the ball and he he does a lot of great things and he's he's arguably the best running back. And then there's the Derrick Henry side. Like there is nobody who rivals those two guys. Like Dalvin Cook's like the sweet spot in the middle, but he he's not gonna run for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Like it's just not. I I think Seattle will be all right in that game, especially because it's less than a field goal. Do you care that they're on the road? Also, like they're 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 favorites on the road. That's always scary for me. Yeah, that that was one of the things I looked at um before I made the pick. Pete Carroll's uh teams are actually like well over five hundred against the spread. I don't have the exact number with sure, me sure. um on the road, but they're they're like not they're not like anything crazy, but he's over five hundred, which if you're a road favorite and you're winning a lot of games like that, I mean basically if you're a road favorite, like you're winning that game to cover every time you have to. So they're like he him and the, the Russ bounce back game, it just feels like the perfect storm for Seattle. Like Minnesota is coming off two gut wrenching losses. And like, yes, you get to come back home, but like this is the type of game where like Seattle knows they have to have it. Minnesota is kind of just like, I mean, we missed a game winning field goal. It's just, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like the type of game where like Minnesota comes in and they win. Like if they had won that game against Arizona, I probably would have stayed get away from this okay. just because you have some momentum. But, um, I, I just think Seattle's like a much, much better team. Okay. All right. It's interesting because I mean the 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 number one narrative is Seattle at home, and then Seattle at home is the advantage, and Seattle on the road stinks, which makes perfect sense as to why they would cover a lot on the road when the public perception is down. So I I I gotta I gotta side with you on that. It's just always scary at first, but especially because the underdogs are killing it this year, like you said. So yeah, something to look into. All right. Well, I know for myself, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills for uh, my survival. Oh, I like it. All right. I like we're, it. We're, 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 on, we're on with that. I, I do like Carolina as well, man. The Carolina, Carolina, the Carolina pick is also really good. I am. I, that's a really good one, too. I thought I about really, it, but I, I also looked at their schedule, and I, that's when I noticed that up in, I could take them literally every single week up until week eight. That's the thing. And that's why you mentioned that, and then think about the schedule, too. That's that's a very good point. That's why I kind of took Buffalo. I'm like, hmm, you know what? When's the next time I'm going to really choose Buffalo with a lot of confidence? I'm going to take it this week against Washington. Um, but, hey, that's a good place to end it. Peter, really appreciate you coming on the pod and dropping some knowledge for the Denver Broncos, getting to hear your Knicks fandom, and giving us some insight into uh, how to play some bets this weekend, man. We're all working. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a growing gambler, thanks to my co-host over here. He's getting me into uh, – gambling a little bit more. I don't know if my uh, fiance soon to be wife is going to be thrilled about that, but it is happening. Um, Peter, please let the listeners know where they can find you. If you got anything uh, coming up, all your work, let them know. Yeah. Uh, guys, first off, thank you for having me on. It's a blast. It's super fun. Um, if you go to fansided.com backslash betside, you can find all of our work we're doing over at betside, a lot of sports content, sports uh, betting content, but obviously fan focused stuff. 
Um, just a lot of great things over there. If you're looking to get into the world of gambling, we're there to help you out. And um, follow me on Twitter uh, at Peter Dewey too. Get plenty of Knicks takes throughout the season. Excited for the season. But uh, again, guys, thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. It, we appreciate you coming on. We had a lot of fun as well. And for all of our listeners out there, this is the last time I'm making this announcement. We got a Madden MVP edition giveaway for both PlayStation and Xbox. It is reverse compatible. So if you got a PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, get in on this action. All you got to do is subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on either Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Send us a screenshot that you did both of those. And you can and that can be either through email, DM, and then you'll be entered in to win the Madden giveaway. And make sure to tell us which system you have to so that we can get the correct copy if you are the lucky winner. So just remember that. This is the last week. We're ending it after that. And the regular call to action, as you all know. Please, if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to give us a five-star review and to leave us a comment. It helps us out greatly. But if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, it's okay. Do you know why, John? Do you know why it's okay? I'll tell you why it's okay, John. No, why? Because we're on... Because we're on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it, we're there, all right? On top of that, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. All right, everyone, we'll catch you later next week for the Jets reaction, the next episode, and another Jets breakdown, all right? Catch you later, everyone. Hopefully happier. Let's go, Jets. (laughs) 